0: Welcome to the We 4 John podcast, a show dedicated to men and the silent struggles we face day to day. From tips to deep conversations, we strive to give you a voice in a world that wants to keep you silent. I'm your host, Soaring, and today we are joined by a new guest of the We 4 John family, Cal Joker.
1: What are we doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good, Um, all things considered.
1: So I can really hope for day to day, just getting by as best we can.
0: Yep. So we're going to start a really fun series. Um, So we're going to start going through a couple characters in video games and kind of talk about the positives, the negatives and the toxic traits that they have and what we can learn from it. Um, Today with Kyle Joker, we're going to do Riku from the Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, I know it's a series I played when I was a teen. I started with Kingdom Hearts 1 on the PlayStation 1 and then quickly we got the PS2 and then I started playing Kingdom Hearts 2. I remember fondly that... uh, I was homesick when the game came out, and we didn't have a PS Two, so we went to the store. Uh, my parents just got tax return money, I believe, and we got the game and PS Two that that day. And so I came home and I played it, even though I was homesick. It was great.
1: That uh, so when when Kingdom that- Hearts Two came out, um, I literally spent three days on my living room couch. So, I get that. Uh, I played the ever-living crap out of that game until it was done.
0: Yeah, it's... (laughs) I I definitely enjoyed that series. Now, today, that series confuses the hell out of me, because I have no idea what's going on.
1: That sums up about 80% of people (laughs) who have tried to follow the series with any kind of practicality.
0: But... So, yeah, we're going to do some character deep dives. Uh, we have more planned. I know we do have uh, Sephiroth, Cloud, uh, Leon Kennedy from uh, Resident Evil. I'll have them planned for later, but for now, we're going to cut to the intro, and then we're going to start talking about Riku. All right, Riku from Kingdom Hearts. If we were to sum, sum him up, how would you best describe him?
1: So in the first one, he's definitely a character who wants to be number one. He wants to lead his friends. Um, and he assumes that, that role, or at least attempts to, and winds up becoming too sure of himself and ends up falling into so many bad traits and tropes that he falls to the darkness and then later on throughout that entire first game until the very end he doesn't redeem himself and from there on it's basically a journey back to being a good person for his entire story arc
0: yeah so i believe didn't okay i know the timeline's kind of skewed uh wasn't in birth by Birth by Sleep, that he got the Keyblade from Terra.
1: So, from at the Island. end of... He's not given a Keyblade, Um, but what happened is Terra passed on, basically, like, his spark to become a Keyblade wielder to Riku because he was so impressed by his heart as a child. Terra could see how much light and ability that Riku would have and was so impressed in his dedication to protecting his friends and family that he gave him the ability to later become a Keyblade wielder.
0: And then through the events of Kingdom Hearts 1, he uh, got sucked into the darkness, correct?
1: So he became so obsessed with trying to get them off of their island and out to explore other worlds because of meeting Terra... That he wound up opening him, himself up to darkness and succumbing to manipulation by a character that we're not even introduced to until the end of the next game.
0: And then, so through the events of the first one, they get off the island and then he starts making his plunge down into the darkness. And then the second one is a redemption from the darkness, correct? Correct.
1: Uh, So there's, in the first one, realistically, we're only seeing Riku for about a third of the game. Then we're seeing Riku being overtaken by the darkness and working alongside Maleficent and their whole gang. And by the end of the game, it's not even really Riku, but Ansem, who was the Heartless that had taken him over. And then in Kingdom Hearts 2, it's kind of... He's accepted the darkness, and he understands that he can use the darkness for good.
0: And it's also during that time that he is with uh, King Mickey, correct? That's so
1: yes and no. Like he's working alongside King Mickey, but they're not together. They were working together in the darkness between one and two. Because they were in the realm of darkness.
0: And then when Riku came back, he uh, he also wore, I know he wore a, uh, like a blind over his eyes because he didn't want to see the light.
1: So he didn't want to see the light because by shrouding
0: himself in the
1: darkness, he took on the powers of Ansem who had taken him over. And then as soon as he sees the light and sees his friends, he becomes himself again and he loses some of that power but gains so much more.
0: So what would you say would be Riku's? Um, I guess the question would be, how does Riku best demonstrate leadership in Kingdom Hearts? Because I know Sorg isn't necessarily much of a leader per se. <laughs> He's kind of the fly by the seat of your pants kind of person.
1: So I would say probably Riku doesn't lead by being in charge. Um I would say his best leadership trait is that he's able to help others do what needs to be done. Um, He could very easily be the leader, uh, and that's shown as soon as, I don't even remember when it was released, but Dream Drop Distance, which takes place between the second and third game, where he achieves what's called the Mark of Mastery, where he is now a Keyblade Master. And Sora fails. Yeah. Riku dives back in to save Sora because Sora went too far. His entire thing is wanting Sora to succeed.
0: Uh, Small tangent. So when Sora fails his Keyblade Mastery, the reason why he does from a development standpoint. The reason why they do that is so that when you come into Kingdom Hearts three, he no, no it'd be Dream Drop Distance. He's like starting off as level one. Right. Uh, unlike Riku, who's, you know, probably like level 50 at this point in compared uh, comparison. So that is why he essentially fails that. And he's also like super cocky.
1: That, that's the thing is that they find one way or another through each game to supplement why sora became weak again for the start of a game and it's so annoying but this time they actually gave us like a one-to-one reason of he tried so hard and kept pushing too much that he basically gave up everything he had earned and started fresh again
0: and then in the lore video i did watch they mentioned that riku was a dream eater for sora Through the events of uh, Dream Drop Distance. Okay. So, have you played Dream Drop Distance? Uh, About 25 to 35% of the way through. Okay. So, you know
1: what the Dream Eaters are then? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, in the entire playthrough of Dream Drop Distance, Riku has a symbol on the back of his jacket that... It's the symbol of the Dream Eaters, because even though you're playing as Riku going through his story, the entire time he's taking just ever so much of the darkness that would be affecting Sora, because he's Sora's protector. Whether he knows it, whether Sora knows it, he sees Sora as someone that he has to protect.
2: And so yeah. he takes on all of that pressure. Thanks.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the quote. Um, someone was talking to Riku, and he, I think he was a understand. kid at this point. Um, and he said not... he wanted to protect what matters.
1: Yeah. And that, what I matters think that was, was his friends. I think that was actually when he was talking to Terra. Did yep. you
0: like the game, though?
1: Um, it was either Terra or Aqua that he was talking to because he met both of them on Destiny Island. Um, I think it was him talking to Aqua, actually, because by this point, she noticed that Terra had, like, willed his spark, essentially, to Riku. And so she was talking to him, trying to understand why Terra did this, when Terra himself had failed his mark of mastery because of darkness.
0: Um, how does Riku dim- uh Determination and perseverance help him overcome challenges within the games.
2: Um,
1: so I think that just goes back to he tries so hard to just keep things to himself. And every time that he does that, he fails. Every time he tries to go alone without his friends, he fails. That's the big thing at the end of like towards, I'd say, two-thirds of the way through the First Kingdom Hearts, Riku's on his own. And even though he has the power and makes Sora lose confidence so much that he takes the Keyblade from Sora. And so Donald and Goofy abandon Sora. But then as soon as they decide to stand up and defend Sora again, Riku loses it. He loses the Keyblade, succumbs further to the darkness, and that's when he really falls. And then, as he's trying to do everything on his own, between then and the finale of Kingdom Hearts 2, he keeps losing at every turn until he decides, no, I'm going to fight with my friends. They are my power, just like Sora. And then, guess what? They win. They succeed. And then riku goes on to start learning abilities and powers that even up till now sora can't touch just because of how much he's giving himself into protecting everyone
0: and then in the second one that's that battle at the end where you start off in that white and black checker room
1: right when you tag team with sora and riku against the final boss
0: I do have to say that was probably one of my favorite battles of that whole game. Say <laughs> I, I second can only to why. the seventh one.
1: OK, as long as you didn't say the fight with Demix, because that fight is garbage. Oh, no. Knock off, uh, knock off David Bowie there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, let's see. Last question. Would you say that Riku is a selfish or selfless character, given that their whole arc, if you go from like beginning to end, would you classify them as selfish or selfless?
1: I would say it it's it's a linear one to one. They start out completely selfish there It's all about them being in charge, leading, trying to be the man of the group, and then by where we are in the series now he doesn't care about any of that he just wants everyone to be okay he's willing to give up his life lay down everything he has to protect his friends to protect the worlds to save the people from darkness it it's literally he goes from being one of the most selfish characters in video gaming to one of the most selfless um would you
0: also say that he is um displays kindness and compassion towards others or is he pretty um i guess you would say be pretty cold towards certain characters and not really showing much compassion
1: i would say that's kind of a case-by-case basis uh obviously for sora kairi and king mickey who he spent a lot of time with it's easy for him to just let things go and be open and warm and then for characters like Donald and Goofy, he's more critical more harsh, unintentionally but he is Um, and as he grows and meets these new people, learns about them, he becomes more open and he grows as a character kind of like we do in real life
0: and So he's critical with Donald and Goofy mostly because of their role with Sora, correct?
1: I I would say so, especially at the start, because he's jealous. Sora has gone out and found these new friends in his journey to find his original friends, but Riku can't see that part. All he sees is that he's been replaced.
0: Well, that, and I believe there's, there's also a moment where Riku is talking with Sora, and he says, "You went and found Donald and Goofy while I was out there trying to find Kyrie,
1: right?" And that entire time, he's had Maleficent literally behind him, whispering, "Hey, he's leaving you behind. He's abandoning you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about finding Kyrie. Look at him goofing off and having fun."
0: Yeah, is that also when he's wearing that really? cool-looking, like, red and bluish-skinned suit. Not yet. Suit.
1: By the time he's in that suit, it's no longer really Riku. Um, and by the time he gets that suit, uh, Maleficent's been defeated.
0: Yeah, I think Maleficent's been defeated, like, four or five times, if you count the events of uh, Union Cross.
1: It, okay, Union Cross is unfair, because technically, <laughs> most of Union Cross is a simulation. True. Um but yeah,
0: mind you to see. the to the audience listening, Kingdom Hearts <laughs> is so convoluted.
1: <laughs> that's putting it lightly. Um so take take a ball, wrap it up in a whole bunch of garbage, throw it in a garbage compactor, crush it, throw that in another garbage compactor, and then chuck it in the ocean. Yeah. And that's a rough estimate of where you have to
0: start. So Riku starts off jealous, and then over time he starts to shake off that jealousy because he gains his own power. Um, and he gets a better footing of his place in the group of characters. He doesn't see Donald a Goofy as competition, he sees him more as sidekicks and slash allies. equals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because he knows that at the end of the day, Sora is going to say that Riku is his best friend, not Donald Goofy.
1: Beyond a shadow of a doubt. And Riku even goes so far as to take the extra steps to help them reconnect people that they had lost and never thought they would see again. Just to help everyone be together and be happy in the end.
0: Oh, and for anyone that is wondering in the background, every now and then you'll hear a voice in the background on Cal's side. That is his significant other <laughs> non-binary cactus. Just just warning. Um. All right. So as a whole. What are some positives that we can take from Riku to uh, learn and apply it to ourselves?
1: Um, it's never too late to change. Uh, the entire first game, all we see <laughs> is this jealous, very cross person who it takes forever for him to realize, hey, I don't have to be jealous. They're allowed to grow and still be my friend. I can grow a long th- a- not a long thigh, alongside them and become a better person, too. And that was one of the biggest things for me. Um, Riku was such a character that was so obsessed with themselves, Trying to be in charge and in control of everyone around them. And that when they eventually opened their eyes and saw that there were, you know, other people that actually cared about them. It changed their entire world. He learns that you don't have to be in charge. You don't have to be the strongest. You can just be you. And that makes all the difference in the world. And I think, I think that's something that everyone can take a note from.
0: Those are the positives. What? Okay. So now we're going to start getting into the negative side of things. Yeah. Um, So we we already talked a little bit on envy and jealousy, especially in particularly the first game. Uh, Would you say that Riku is a very impulsive person or has like a lack lack of uh, forethought?
1: I would say to a point, uh, and he's also very proud. At least at the start. (laughs) He he's always proud but he understands that pride can be tempered but at first like he's very showy it's always a competition everything he and Sora do is a competition they keep tally. Yeah. Everyone on the island knows that Riku is superior.
0: Wanna race? Because
1: he he has shown everyone on the island that he is superior. In the original version of the first game you couldn't challenge him to a fight. Until you beat a th- a four way fight against three enemies.
2: Oh, I don't remember that part.
1: Yeah, you had to beat Titus, Waka, and Sophie.
0: Not Sophie,
1: whatever her name was. You had to beat the three of them to be able to challenge him to a fight.
0: Oh, uh, it, this is from Final Fantasy the first... Ten, correct? Those three characters. Well. She
1: is not. She was from a different one.
0: Oh, because the only character I could think of that would be with Tetis would be uh, Yuna.
1: But it was most definitely not Yuna on Destiny Island. <laughs> and they just so happened to choose Tetis and Waka to be on the island. Mm. Um, but the, the girl, you had to beat all three of them individually and then beat them in a three-on-one fight to even be able to challenge Riku because Hold on one second, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, To even be able to challenge Riku, because he was the number one on the island, you got to do your race first before any of that, and that was your first chance to kind of show, hey, I'm not going to lose to you. And the entire time Riku's kind of lording it over Sora that, hey, if you fail, I'm going to do that thing you want to do. Not because I want to, but because you want to and I can't.
0: Of all the characters, who do you think Riku has the most lack of trust with?
2: But minus, Donald. Minus bad guys. Donald. Um, I
1: mean... Just because they clash so much.
0: It's because they're both stubborn-headed.
1: Right. They are too similar to really get along Um, because they can't just let things go. Yeah. Beyond that, by the time everyone starts kind of coming together as a unit, as a team, he's at the point where he's accepting of everyone for their faults, not in spite of them.
0: Uh, Another small tangent, would you say that Donald and Goofy is a small. Version of Sora and Riku's relationship. If you were to look at it, Donald would be Riku. Goofy would be Sora 100 percent. And Donald treats Goofy the same way that Riku kind of does.
1: Yep. 100 percent. It's a direct correlation. And it takes goofy standing up to Donald and standing up to the will of the Keyblade for Donald to be like that's right, Sora is our friend
2: we're going to de- defend him
0: alright, let's see Yes, yeah, because we already know that he does not like Xehanort and Xenis and Ansem and all them uh, with very
1: good reason
0: yeah he um,
1: was he was being controlled by by one of them for a large period of time and he had had the whisperings of them in his ear since he was a young teen
0: yeah although i do have to, i do have to say when he looked like uh in the second one anthem in the second yeah. one uh that was Pretty cool, because, you know, obviously I didn't know that it was Riku. Right. You're until, not supposed I think, to. I think until King Mickey's made a mention of it.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. Well. See. He he mentions that Riku was there and then when he. Rescues Kairi. Kairi doesn't see Ansem. Kairi sees his heart. Yeah. So she sees Riku.
0: And I can't remember, is Kairi a princess of heart? Was she the the seventh one?
1: Yes. So the whole thing with that, uh, not only was she a princess of heart, but she was also Aqua's chosen successor.
0: And Aqua did show herself to young Riku in... Sora on the island shortly after Terra passed on his spark. Correct. Because she does make a mention that did he already pass on his spark? Yeah. And I don't think she I don't sees think it she in Riku. It.
1: No, but she knows that it was Terra. Because by then, Ven is. Ven's not asleep yet. Yeah. But she, she knows that Ven wouldn't be able to.
0: Yeah, because then Aqua makes a mention that Sora looks a lot like or friend
1: right which there's reason for that that's one of those convoluted things guys
0: yeah i've been watching a lot of uh hmk videos he does a lot of kingdom hearts videos and legend of yeah. zelda and so i was trying to watch his videos on like talking about all this holy crap those videos are so long and he's got chapters and he's got links to resources i'm like oh, I remember the days when we could play game one, two, three, and pretty much had the story. Yeah, you didn't have to rely on uh, the spin-off game that that came out only for the Game Boy Advance, and then this game that came out for the DS, and this game that came out for the 3DS.
1: Uh, I and when I tell you that, <laughs> or the series that you and I talked about that I'm going to be doing, the spin-off game that came to the Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color, yeah,
0: chain of memories, and
1: then got ported i'm not looking forward to that on my journey
0: yeah that's that's gonna be a fun one i remember playing it when it first came out and i'm like what the heck why why do i now have cards that i have to use for my moves (laughs) but i know in that game uh i think the game takes place over the span of like a year and riku is trying to save sora Interestingly
1: enough, Riku is not in Chain of Memories
2: at all. That is a data copy.
1: The entire game, Riku is not in Chain of Memories.
0: Oh, okay, so it's just the it's just the data copy of him, correct? Playing out what he would have done, right? Gotcha. Um, Again, convoluted. <laughs>
1: riku <laughs> was in the realm of darkness with mickey at the same time but they were not at castle oblivion
0: okay um i think of another question so we <laughs> know that he he has been selfish he does align himself to being selfless we already know that he's very arrogant and prideful um so did you ever read the manga for the the kingdom hearts i did Okay, so you know that there's like a one page uh, panel where it shows Sora um, looking at the island from his bedroom. And then Riku is looking at the same place, but from like a like a mansion balcony. Yeah. Okay. so Riku comes from money, which is why he's arrogant (laughs) and And which is
1: why. And that's also part of why he thinks in in his prideful youth that he's the better fit for Kairi after she's come to the island
0: and i i really wish that they would have just made these moments in the games
1: i think that was one that um uh, so that that idea didn't actually come forth until they wrote the manga there would there was never supposed to be any inclination that riku had come from standing i'll say
0: but it makes a lot of his decisions really poignant make a lot more sense yeah they they stick out like a sore thumb when you like if you come from the vantage point that he comes from money which is why he would think all these things from the get-go and then to see uh sora who doesn't have money clearly and is very like nonchalant about things and happy-go-lucky let's just let's just race and like "Like, we could race but like what's the end goal here
1: right what Um, do i win other than lording over you, that I have beat you again,
0: because that because that only goes so far. <laughs> All right. So as a whole, we would say that there are some positives that we can take from Riku' uh, dedication to his, his family and his friends, um, his companions that he's made along the way. Uh, he's got a unbreaking bond with uh, Sora that goes back so far, if you count the connections with Terra and in uh, um Does Riku have a, a nobody? Because I know Sora has Roxas.
1: So, Riku is never made into a Heartless, ever. Riku never loses his heart. He's just overtaken by darkness. So, he has no Heartless and no nobody. Okay. And, do you... <laughs> Do you understand why Roxas is Sora's nobody? Not really. <laughs> okay. Um, so, when, when Sora was a very small child, uh, so this is when, this is before Terra and Aqua have even met Ventus. This is when he was an apprentice under Xehanort. Old man Xehanort. Or not Xehanort, Xemnas. No, Xehanort, yes. Too many X names. Um, (laughs) When he was apprenticed under Xehanort, uh, Xehanort tried to split Ventus's heart in half so that they could later be brought together to create the key blade
2: with the Greek letter key. Um,
1: Which, when he did that, his heart broke and he was basically in a coma. But because Xehanort took Ventus to Destiny Island, where he grew up, Ventus's heart found Sora and was
2: able to heal. Okay.
1: Which then connected his heart and Sora's.
0: And is that why he has a resemblance to him?
1: So, because of the fact that Ventus is sleeping during the entire events of Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, all the way up until they're able to wake him up when Aqua wakes him, um, his heart is with Sora that entire time. And so Roxas is literally Ventus as a nobody. That's why he has no memories, no recollection, anything and why he wields a keyblade the
2: exact same way Ventus did. Gotcha.
0: Again, this is just one of those series that <laughs> you, you got to just take it with a grain of salt. Okay, so there's there's positives that we can gain from Riku. Is there some negatives that are very glaring that we can uh, take from Riku and learn not to do?
1: I would say... It's a noble trait, but the extent that he takes it to is negative, and that's being too self-sacrificing. Being willing to defend your friends is a, is a great thing. You should always want to defend your friends and the people that matter most.
0: Yeah, and, and it's a noble trait.
1: Right. <laughs> but if you... Push that to the extreme where you're putting yourself in the most extremely dangerous situations, literally throwing yourself at death just because you think it could affect them. That's when you start towing a line that's a little
2: severe, I think.
0: Yeah. Helping your helping your friends is important, but not at the sacrifice of yourself. Right
1: you worded it way better than I did.
0: Um, I would also say that jealousy and envy, while yes, they could be used partially used as a tool, aka comp- comparison, comparing yourself to others, seeing what they have versus what you have. Well, yes, everybody does it, um, but just know that comparison is the uh, thief of joy. So when you're constantly jealous and envious of another person, you end up not finding any joy at all.
2: Um which you know
0: could lead you accurate. to could lead you to a dark path if you know obviously Riku did came, come come out ahead. Um he was able to <laughs> uh realize that his envy and jealousy was misplaced and right. was able to um forge a better bond. So to speak, with Sora
2: i would I would agree with that
0: uh is there any other negative traits that we can glean from?
1: I would say mostly just when he was a child uh I say child lightly uh Kingdom Heart's one age where they're like early teenagers. I would say I don't remember exactly what the age is but um he's very impressionable there's someone stronger than him obviously they know what's right and he falls into the mindset of well i'm stronger so i'm right the might makes right mentality is something that's very present at the start of the games and that's something that people everyday fall into i'm in control i know what's best Regardless of whether they know what they're talking about or not,
0: yeah, definitely leads oh, to no, a no, lot no, of uh no. what? I guess you would say lead.
2: Yeah, it
0: leads to very damaging relationships if you always think that you're the right one in the situation, you're quick to uh close your ears and not listen to what the other person has to say um well i'm always i'm always right uh you know i have all the power you know i know for men we get into this mindset some of us do not all of us um get into this mindset because we are built differently we you know we we can lift more we can carry more um we can push more because we we're f- more physically strong than our uh female counterparts uh, we take that as a way to dictate what other people then do. Um, we kind of bully, you know, probably early on in my relationship with my wife, I probably did the same thing. Oh, I can do this better than you, so just let me do it. Um, that's not the way to do it. Just because you have, have the power doesn't mean you have to use it. Um, wisdom teaches you those opportunities when and when not to use said power a, uh, a saying comes to mind knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit wisdom is knowing that tomatoes do not belong in fruit salad
2: <laughs> Thank
0: you. so with that uh, as we get older and we start to learn more and we take in advice from other people we learn you know the appropriate times to use our power, the appropriate times in which we can uh, take those opportunities to lead, and then also know when it's time to fall back and let someone else take charge
1: and it it takes a long time to be able to figure out should I take the easy way out at every turn when When is it going to be worthwhile for me to sit through work things out and overcome it or do i take option b and just skip everything and just be ahead no i'm not i'm not saying that we can't take shortcuts because sometimes it's better for you but if you never take the time to work through things and grow then you're never going to develop into that person that you could be
0: um so with that being the negatives do you think there's any toxic traits that um riku might have um you know whether that be uh his need for control and dominance um maybe gaslighting his other uh companions (laughs) um is it like anything that's you know obviously negative is is bad but it's like it's kind of like that that uh like walking on that that line you know yes they're not bad they're not not good but they're not totally bad but no toxic would be like the the things that we for sure do not want men now and future to do like these traits right here that we're about to talk about they are not things that we want going forward because it doesn't lead to a good uh society
1: so the, the obvious one that sticks out to me is something from the first Kingdom Hearts game. Uh, obviously, while Riku is still kind of falling to the darkness, um, they find Kyrie. He and the people with the Heartless, they find Kyrie. They have her body. And he taunts Sora like she's a possession. While you've been playing games, I found Kyrie. I'm trying to save her. And you're here playing
2: games. And that's...
1: He literally treated their other best friend, who they both very clearly cared about before, as a possession, as a trophy to be won. And whether that's about a female, a male, treating a person as a possession is completely unacceptable.
0: Um, yes, that is very true. Um, your significant, if you're in a relationship, your significant other is not your possession. If you have, whether it's, you know, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, however your relationships look, they are not your possession. Uh, one consent is very important. No means no. And the absence of a no is also a no. Um too many times we see these big macho alpha, alpha males yep. um they try and bully pulpit women uh to do some pretty heinous things whether that be uh putting things in their drink and then taking them home and taking advantage of them or completely belittling them in front of their friends uh just outright just toxic masculinity uh that is not what we teach here um i i have a thinking that the smartest guy in the room will never admit it so that should also apply to the alphas if you are truly the alpha you do not have to say it and you If you are
1: powerful ha- you do not have to show it
0: yeah um you know, uh, Theodore Roosevelt says to speak softly and carry a big stick. What these alpha, quote-unquote, alpha males are doing is not only not speaking softly, but then they're brandishing their sticks, and it's not very good. Early on, Riku was very much toxic in the way that he used Kyrie as a possession in order to taunt uh, Sora. Um, aligning himself with Maleficent and listening to the things that she was whispering in his ear allowed him to continue on that thinking that he is the strongest one of the two. There's a reason why I chose you, Riku. This is something that Maleficent would have said. She has a way of getting those earworms into you and making you think that, oh, well, the reason why I chose you is because you're the strongest. You're the most cunning. You're the most conniving. Um, I don't want to live off topic.
1: But. I do, I do want to input something there. Is that uh, because I, in a situation like this, I have seen the argument that, oh, well, he wouldn't have done that if not for her whisperings. That's not the case. He was already on a dark path, regardless of what Maleficent said to him. He was already falling. He is responsible for his own actions. No one made him do what he did at this point. Yes, he does become taken over, and he has no control of his actions then. But up until this point, he was making every call himself. He thinks Might is right. He should be in control. He knows what's best. That's I just I don't want that to get spun. Yeah, that was his call.
0: Correct. And really, all Maleficent was doing was just amplifying the flames that were already there. It's
1: like, hey, you're having these thoughts. It's okay to have these thoughts better yet. Let's act on them.
0: I would say that in Kingdom Hearts 1, uh, Riku does not have any. He does not take any responsibility of his actions. He does not. He has a very he has a lack of accountability to the um, activities and things that he did present in Kingdom Hearts One. Now, I would say Kingdom Hearts Two is where we start to see him, at least towards about the last thirty to twenty five percent of the game, he does take accountability for what he did. He does start to understand that he royally fucked up
1: i i would say that that's that's when we start to learn about it um he realized it it, so one of the biggest things to know about the difference or the distance between kingdom hearts one and two is that it takes place there's an entire year in between them so there is an entire year that riku has gone on this journey and found out what an absolute piece of garbage he was. And I would agree with you to a point that it's not until the last third of that game that he truly realizes who he's supposed to be. But I think the entire game, he's on that journey and realizing mistakes as he goes.
0: Yeah, I would say Kingdom Hearts 2 is Riku's path to redemption. Yeah. Um, even, and even towards the very end of it, I don't think it's completely 100% resolved because um, I, I believe there is some early on tensions um, in Dream Drop Distance, which is the game that takes place between the second and third game in the series. Um, One of them. Obviously, he... He passes his uh Keyblade Mastery and becomes the Keyblade Master. Um and then obviously Sora does not. Um But yeah, so Kingdom Hearts 2 is Riku's redemption story. Um we got to k- kind of peek through the veil and see the inner workings that are that are uh taking place. And I would say the King Mickey kind of also helps him realize the things bad things that he did.
1: Oh, by a landslide.
0: Mostly because he, you know, at this point, Mickey is the king. He kind of has a higher vantage point than even uh, Riku does.
1: Yeah, it's like, yeah, I was a rich kid who's strong, but this is a king. And he kind of helps him right at the end of Kingdom Hearts 1 when they close the door to darkness from the inside so that it can't escape.
2: And they do that together.
0: Yeah. Again, this whole series is so convoluted. But if you have been playing it since the very beginning, you relish in that because that allows you to theorycraft and to find where your story aligns with the games and you create that even stronger bond with it. Because I'm sure how you've had a deep understanding of the games and you also have a deep uh love and appreciation for them as well um which is very different than me because i played the first and second and i maybe got 25 percent into the third one so don't <laughs> worry about spoilers for me because i have no problem with like uh watching ahead just so i know what i'm getting into
2: fair
1: enough um i would say Um, there are definitely life lessons to be learned from a lot of games and a lot of just media. Uh, Kingdom Hearts was a huge turning point for me growing up, seeing the different sides of things and how you can grow from being a person who's maybe not the nicest, not the best, and turn into someone who actually cares. Um, And I think that Riku is a pretty great spot for that because you don't have to be the happy-go-lucky goof to care about everyone.
2: Yeah. So,
0: looking from the whole perspective of Riku, uh, there's positives that we can take from him, there are some negatives that we can learn from him, and there's some toxic traits that we can avoid from him. Um... We hope that this deep dive of Riku was helpful for you in any way. Um, Definitely in the comments, tell us if there's any characters that you want us to to tackle. Um, I'll try and come up with some better questions and be a little bit more on task. Um, But, you know, that's what happens when you do something new. Um, I wanted to create a little bit of levity because the first five episodes of the podcast have been um, very, very heavy and the things that we're talking about because we ultimately we want you to learn something we want you to take what we say and try and apply it to the best of your ability to your own life that way you can find um, peace healing um, whether it be for you or you can then pass it on to somebody else Um, this the character deep dives was more of a one the levity to kind of bring in a little bit of fun Uh, To the podcast but also to get us to Critically think about some of these Characters that we played with um, Whether we were uh, Kids, teenagers, young Adults to full-fledged adults like I am Like I'm a 33 year old And we're talking about Kingdom Hearts 2 And 3 and 4 And however many there's going to end up being I know the fourth (laughs) one's coming out uh, Probably in the next two years Or more I guess it depends on the development time But like being able to look at these characters that we've created a, um, a bond with, and then kind of critically think about them, um, in this way. I think it's kind of fun. Um, definitely look forward to doing more. Um, so before we get off here, Cal, go ahead and explain uh, who you are in your community and then we'll call this episode to the close.
1: All right. Um, so I am Cal Joker. Um, I'm just a guy. I play video games and I talk to people. I like a lot of nerdy shit. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is really important to me. Uh, it's something that helped me through a lot of dark places in my life. And so that's kind of why I wanted to be here with Soaring for the first episode of this so that I could show a little bit about how I developed as a person, thanks to seeing how this character developed.
2: Um. And
1: If you guys refute anything that we said here today, I just I know that I myself personally I'm open to conversation. I want to hear what you guys have to think. If you heard something we said today and you don't agree or you have a different viewpoint on the points we made today, please let me know. I would love to have a conversation because one i want us to be able to grow and two new ideas are always welcome because the more we hear from you the more we can grow with new ideas and do new things that you guys might enjoy that's what i got
0: very well said so we're gonna go ahead and call this episode uh to a close we appreciate all our listeners uh if you have any comments put them down below. Um like and subscribe if you haven't already. Um up in the top somewhere, I don't know which side it's gonna be on, uh <laughs> will be a um link to our previous episodes. Um definitely give them a listen. Uh we worked a little hard on it and uh definitely want the channel to grow for sure. So like I said, like and subscribe and yeah, we'll go ahead and call it a close. And remember when life gets you down Uh, Stand tall and we forge on. Thanks.